is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 407, recorded Thursday, November 15th, 2018. Welcome to the program, everyone. I thought maybe, I thought maybe this is the podcast that wasn't meant to be, but here we are, and we're going to try to pull it off in the next, you know, hour and a half before we have to get back to everything else that's ongoing. The reason I say the podcast that wasn't meant to be, because I was flying in from California today, and... Uh Uh, my flight was a little bit delayed. Not only that, I got here into Toronto and it's snowing like a bugger and there's two inches of snow on the ground. And that's not, you know, that's not a lot for Toronto or for Canada, but it sometimes can screw up flights. So I thought maybe that was going to mess us up. And it kind of did because we landed and, uh, and we had to wait on the plane because the gate wasn't ready for a while. Yep. Not only that, while I was away, my wife fell on some ice outside and hurt herself, so she's been not feeling very well for uh, for the day. Uh, she's going to be okay, but good, you know, not not feeling great. And your little guy Jasper refuses to go to sleep. It sounds like so. Yeah, I just got a text. It's now ten o'clock at night. Ten o uh, ten ten thirteen now, and he's been uh, he's still up. He's still up. <laughs> All right, pretty crazy. Well. The podcast that wasn't meant to be so far is being, so why don't we move on and try to pound this sucker out before something else goes crazy wrong and we all have to jump up and run away in fear. Yep. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Really quickly then, the ratings on Season 9, Episode 6 were 5.4 million people, so almost exactly the same as the week before they're holding steady. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm a little bit surprised by that. I thought maybe it would start creeping up. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's actually creeped down by 100,000 people, but that's that's like a drop in the bucket, really. So 5.4, really, really holding steady. Yeah, 100,000 people, that's practically nobody. It's nobody, no. When you're talking about 5 million, another 100,000 here and there, you know, whatever. All right, time to do some listener feedback. Sure. Listener feedback. Let us begin today with an email from Chris in Toronto. Chris says, so many interesting new things in this episode. I like how they subtly dropped things in without having to blatantly point it out. Some noteworthy things include Gracie calling Aaron daddy, Michonne and Rick's son in the background, and revealing hidden weapons on Magna without having to show a direct shot of it. Oh, yeah. Of like a like direct crotch on shot. <laughs> Well, of her belt buckle. Yeah, I mean, Michonne dropped down to do the pat down, and so she got the crotch shot and noticed the belt buckle. Yeah, knife. right. She did. Yeah. <laughs> good for her. Uh, but you know, this is a good example of the idea in filmmaking of show me, don't tell me. So they don't need to blatantly spell everything out for us. Uh, they just have uh, baby Gracie, who's not a baby anymore, running around. Uh, and you know, they don't just hit us over the head with things. They just show us the new world that they're living in and all the things that have changed in six years. And we figured out on our own and we're pretty smart. So we can do that. I agree that we're pretty smart. Generally speaking, generally speaking, and maybe not even all the time, but for this one time, I feel for this one thing. Yeah. 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 I would (laughs) agree with that. All right. Next we have an email from Corey in Indiana. Last week I wrote in asking if you guys had seen Fonzie jump the shark. Well, I didn't realize he totally stuck the landing. I love where this time jump has taken us. During this week's episode, I was actually concerned about walkers again. Well, that's good. And I think what Corey's referring to is just having all the changes this season, having Rick leave, having one small time jump and now a bigger massive time jump, all felt like all felt like things that could just bring the show crashing down, right? Yes. Just have it crash down into pieces around our feet on the ground. But instead, it has propped itself up, and it's even better than it was before. So, stuck the landing. Could be. Yeah, it could be. And uh, it was touch and go there for a little while, because now that I think back on it, uh, Judith could very much uh, well have been Scrappy-Doo when they added him to the Scooby-Doo gang, or when they added, uh, uh, there's other characters, when they add a kid to a, to a, a, a show in order to spice things up, it mm-hmm. gets a little bit, uh, a little bit weird. They did that to um, that guy with that show with that asshole with the sweaters. 
<laughs> kept drugging ladies. Mr. And, uh, Rogers. No, the oh. not the no, not Mr. Rogers. He's awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm talking about Bill Cosby. That's it. The Cosby Show. Oh crap! Yeah, yeah. Asshole with the sweater. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that show. They added another little girl when the when the young one started to grow grow up, and uh, that's always a mistake. So this, uh, looking back, this could have been a huge blunder, but uh, I don't think so so far. No, not so far. And Scrappy Doo, when they added Scrappy to the Scooby Doo gang, that's when that thing went down the toilet. Uh, Scrappy-Doo is annoying. I mean, apparently Scooby-Doo wasn't comic relief enough. They had to add in Scrappy-Doo. Additional and, uh, comic relief. That's never a yeah. good idea. Yeah, it was uh, It was a mistake. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't do anything like that to Gilligan's Island. No, it was it was uh, brilliant from start to finish, right? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good from start to finish. Brilliant is a little strong a word, from, I guess. From start to canceled. Yeah, sure, because it, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, did it, did they resolve Gilligan's Island? Well, they made a made-for-TV movie where they did get uh, rescued years later, uh, but then on a c- celebratory cruise, they got shipwrecked on the island again. Oh, <laughs> they a- did get off for a little while, though. They they made it to the made it to Hawaii or some mainland or something, and uh, and the, had a party. And the and, first thing they do is go on a celebratory cruise. Like that's a yeah. terrible idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Well, not that you know the people on Gilligan's Island were. Geniuses about the anything. professor. He made a radio out of coconuts. The guy's a genius. Anyways, he, well, no, it wasn't made out of coconuts. It was made out of a radio. <laughs> oh. I mean, the batteries. He kept recharging the batteries somehow, uh-huh. but uh, it was it was still a radio that they had that magically tuned into the right radio station with the exact news that they needed for that week. Well, every whatever. time he was a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, All yeah. right, so we're, let's get back to uh, talking about Gilligan's Island here and the feedback for uh, <laughs> one of the episodes there. <laughs> sure, sounds good. Our next email comes from Mindy on the internet. And Mindy writes, I have to give a shout out to the writers for some decent lines. I loved the Judith Negan exchange and Rosita's don't make this weird, we're getting out of here line. Michonne, Michonne's voiceover opening was spot on. Anyone who's lost a loved one can relate to this, and that's where the show is getting back to, I think, making the survivors in this crazy apocalyptic world relatable and human. The whole all-out war storyline somehow sucked the humanity out of the show, and now it's back. And Doesn't I like war do that, though, in general? I think so, but it's tough to watch, right? And I yeah. think that's a, a really good point, that... the. The humanity was sucked out of these characters a little bit during All Out War. Now, to be fair, they were trying to reclaim it. Like, it's almost like they knew that. And, you know, that's what Rick and Carl were trying to do, reclaim the humanity and have a better world for everyone. But it was it's it can be difficult to watch. And it went on for a long time. So here we are in the new world with, you know, humanity restored. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we still have some unknowns, right? But hopefully. Of course. Hopefully. Uh, you can't be completely, uh, you know, settled in and comfortable because that would also not be exciting to watch. Although sometimes I feel like that's just what I want occasionally from the show, just to see everything going really, really well and everyone happy and getting along. And, you know, we've had a little bit more of that, but it's balanced better now. Yeah. Maybe when they get to the hilltop, maybe the hilltop uh, turned into uh, a really bad place to be once uh, Maggie... Uh, became a full-on uh, tyrant mm-hmm. and uh, was lynching people left, right, and center in order to hold on to every scrap of power she could, and uh, was totally a uh, uh, you know a power power grabber until somebody like Jesus, I suppose, lynched her. Right, just kind of like snuck into her room, tied a rope around her neck, picked her up, and threw her out the window, uh, and everybody cheered. And now, uh, and now the hilltop is is happy again with with and a new gone. with a new leader. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's what I assume happened. I wonder if they're going to explain. I mean, they have to, right? They have to they explain have. where she went, why she's not there. I yeah. mean, it's not going to be a, a weird scenario. You think where she technically is still around, but we just don't see her. Like that would be well, they're stupid. Not, they're not that dumb. Just like uh, I hope not. Like what? Norm's wife on Cheers. Like she's there, but not there. Yeah. Yeah, she, she never shows up, but she's referenced, and she calls on the phone all the time. Right. To find out when he's coming home or whatever. No, I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to give us something, some sort of explanation that is hopefully going to be satisfying. But right now, right now I'm like, okay, either she's gone away with Georgie or something happened and she had to leave or was forced out. Well, 
the way I think of it is that they're doing a pretty good job so far of this first half of this season. And if they didn't have a good plan for how to explain Maggie's absence in the show, they would have come up with a good plan and we would have gotten it some other way. Mm -hmm. Maggie would have, uh, we would have had some indicator that she wasn't going to be on. So I think that when it does get revealed, it will be in a well, uh, well-defined way that's, that's compelling and entertaining. And satisfying. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. All right. Well, I figure it's going to have to happen soon. Uh, they can't go too long without showing us the hilltop, and I hope they don't because there are characters there that I want to check in with and find out what's up. So I hope it doesn't take all season to get to it, but I have a feeling it won't. Yeah. Good. And, 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 and to be fair, the inner pessimist in me is, uh, is screaming at me right now going, come on. You can't give them that much credit, you stupid moron. What did you just say? Do you have faith in the writers? Anyway, well, my inner it, pessimist, uh, he's, he's yelling at me. Sure, that's fine. But you know what? It doesn't, they've, lately, they've proven themselves. So I think it's it's okay for you to to come around so quickly and think, you know what? You know what they're doing again. They're They're going to handle this. Yeah. Good. So we blame everything on Scott and we, uh, Credit everything to Angela King. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, put credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah. She's in, blame where blame is due. That's right. She's in charge now. So, so and look Excellent. at how good it is. Good for her. All right. So next we have, uh, what are we doing now? We're doing Dant in Dant. Dan <laughs> in Durant, <laughs> Iowa. Not Dant in Duran, Iowa. <laughs> well, it's just Dant in Iowa. Or Dant in Duran, Duran, Iowa. I don't know. Durant, sure. Duran, Duran, Iowa. <laughs> That'd be a place. So uh, Dan writes... Did Michonne scar? Did Michonne scar herself where Rick got stuck with the rebar? If so, how did she even know he was hurt when she when he blew himself up? They never got close to each other. Uh, he didn't get close to anyone. So, who's in charge of the hilltop? <laughs> Michonne was going to take the new people to hilltop to see if she would allow them to stay. Georgie, Diane. Clearly, it's Enid, right? Okay, so those are two points here. Uh, yeah. We, we kind of just talked about who's in charge at the hilltop, except that did Michonne say the word she when she yes. said, okay. She so did. so then it has to be either Diane, Georgie, or Enid. Or Michonne's out of the loop on what the most recent uh, events have uh, occurred there. Good point. Very good point. We don't know. It, all we know is they haven't had as much contact with them as they would have liked. So she could be totally out of the loop. Maybe maybe Michonne doesn't know Maggie has disappeared. That's right. Maybe Michonne doesn't know that uh, Jesus stuck a noose around her neck and threw her out the window. Wow. That's, see, that's compelling already. Just making stuff up in my brain uh, with yeah. Dan, with Dan's help and your help. It's, I like it. I like it's it. All good. I can't wait to find out. Yeah, and I don't think Enid's in charge because how can you be in charge and be a spy at the same time? I mean, and be that the doctor. Make sense. Right. <laughs> no, maybe not. But honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised if Enid is the one who's kind of co-running things, maybe with Jesus, because she she was Maggie's right hand woman. It seemed like for a while there, and now Maggie's gone. And it's going to be Enid. I don't know. But they groomed her to be the doctor instead. So who knows? I just would like Enid to have a bigger part on the show because I enjoy Caitlin and I enjoy Enid. And she's always been pretty much a background character. So I'd, yeah. like, to, I'd like her to have more to do. She was Carl's love interest. And then he went and got himself killed. Yeah. They were stuck in a tree together, remember? And then yeah. now he's dead and she's running the hilltop. That's right. Funny how well. things work out. Well, I hope she finds love. I hope so, too. Now, Dan's other point about Michonne's scar. Right. Right in the same spot where Rick got stuck with the rebar. Coincidence? Jason? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You think so? Coincidence? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. It. Well, she didn't see him get stuck on the rebar. I know. Dan's point is true, and he didn't get anywhere near anybody before he blew himself up with that... Uh, dynamite that was stored on the construction site. I know. Incorrectly and unsafely, in my opinion. I know, I know, I know. It totally makes sense. But then at the same time, nothing happens by accident. And I feel like having that X, you know, carved into her back right on that spot, I guess it didn't occur to me before, but now I can't stop thinking it must have something to do with the fact that Rick was poked right there. It can't because it would be such a plot hole. Yeah. It would be such a continuity issue that they they can't get around it. 
Like, how did she know? Did he call her on the phone and say, I stabbed myself right at this very spot on some rebar? I mean, could she have seen from the riverbank, like the way he was gripping his side or something like that? Could could anybody have seen and told her? R- she tried to run to him and got pretty close. I mean, um, is it possible she unless just... Unless she was actually uh, part of one of his visions, where, uh, you know, when he had visions of her showing up or hallucinations of her showing up, yeah. maybe she had the same hallucination at the same time, playing her part in his hallucination. Mm, a dual hallucination. Yeah. So they have some kind of psychic well, connection. A reciprocal that... hallucination. Right. A reciprocal hallucination. I like that. Yeah. And if so, if we go down that road... She's still mentally in contact with him, and she's not talking to a dead Rick. She's talking to Rick. Right. Probably. Unless he's actually dead now. It has been six years. Anyways, that we don't know. All we know is she has this big scar on her back. It's in the same spot where he got rebarred, and I just think that's a weird coincidence. It's a weird coincidence, but I think it's a coincidence. But I also didn't think of it until Dan brought it up. Yeah, Dan's got a very good point. I mean, they're all good points, uh... The scar does sort of look like it could be, uh, you know, reminiscent of Rick's injury, but how would she know? She can't know. No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, again, we got to wait to find out what the deal is with that scar. And uh, if it has anything to do with Rick, all will be revealed in the fullness of time. Maybe maybe that's, uh, maybe she had a C-section that was done very, very badly. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty like sure Enid. Oh God. Pretty <laughs> sure if Enid did a back C section, Michonne wouldn't be with us anymore. That's the worst C section ever. Oh my God. Uh yeah, I watched two of them be done and neither resulted in a scar like that. Yeah, I watched one and nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't they didn't go in that way. <laughs> they sure didn't. Okay, let's go on to Bill in New Jersey. And Bill writes I like the new group so far and specifically wanted to point out the sign language and the captions we get. I think it's really cool to include this element and I'm hoping for a lot of sign language conversations in which only the two sign language speakers and the entire audience know exactly what's being communicated. Everyone else in the show has no idea. It could lead to some really interesting things. And it sort of reminds me in a strange way of how in House of Cards, certain characters look at the camera and speak directly to the audience. It's true. So that's breaking the fourth walls. What that's called is when a character speaks to the audience. Deadpool does it all the time. Yep. Uh, this is not the same because nobody's speaking to the audience, but it's sort of a secret between the uh, deaf characters on the show and the audience because we have subtitles. I presume there aren't subtitles, you know, in real life on the show. Oh, oh I see <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> yeah, you do, eh? Everywhere yeah. you go. Not everywhere, but sometimes. All right. Uh, if somebody's speaking in a foreign language, I get subtitles. You don't? Oh, I must have not turned that on yet. <laughs> yeah, you got to turn that feature on. Oh, sorry. It's a setting. All right. I need that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So we could have some scenarios where someone can't communicate something in an emergency because, you know, they don't uh, understand sign language. Yeah. But But we as the audience will know, and that could be used to create a great deal of tension. <laughs> and hilarity, because uh, that's that's one of the primary things they did on Three's Company, was that somebody would be confused by what somebody else was doing and didn't have the full information, and the only person, the only people that had the full information was the audience, and hilarity ensued. It always comes back to Three's Company, eh? Usually, or, or Gilligan's Island, yeah. and or Gilligan's Island, because that happened on Gilligan's Island a lot, too. Actually. Oh, of course. Occasionally Night Rider. <laughs> But not as much. Uh, you know, I, you know, to be quite honest, I've never really watched more than probably a couple of episodes of Knight Rider. Whoa. I watched the more weird th- thing is I own them all and I could like watch them all right now. I, I watched more Knight Rider as a kid than I did either Gilligan's Island. I enjoyed Three's Company, but Knight Rider was my thing because of the car. I'm like talking car. Yes. Sign me no, up. I did a lot of Gilligan's Island because I went home for lunch. I was lived close enough to the school that I was home for lunch, but both my parents worked. So all I did was make craft dinner and watch TV for an hour and then head back to school. <laughs> you know, that sounds like the experience of a good bulk of Canadians in the 80s, Canadian children in the 80s or 70s. Well, that's where I got a lot of my Gilligan's Island. Yeah. All right. That's sweet. Good times. Let's keep going. All right. So next we have Andy dodging the downpours in the UK. Oh. 
This uh, this new season is feeling like a complete rebirth. It feels like having that old show back that I love so much. Yes, it's a little different, but it's so much better than anything from the last two years, in my opinion. I'm suddenly back to being excited to sit down and watch the latest episode rather than feeling a sense of dread at how bad it will be this particular week. Incredible turnaround. The story is spread over many more characters now, each getting the chance to develop. The Eugene-isms are used sparingly and to good comic effect again. New people, new relationships, new pose, a better better set pieces. Foes, new foes. What did I say? Pose. New foes, new pose. <laughs> hey, everybody poses newly now. Yeah. Uh, better set pieces. The uh, the Eugene coming down the ladder, falling, running away sequence felt like it would have been uh, been a full off would have been full off unbelievable stupid moments under Gimple's guidance. But here, each step of the way was logical and believable for the chosen characters. Catch me, guys. I think I'm falling in love with this show. <laughs> I think I'm falling back in love with this show. So well, fucking corny. we've got you, Andy. We've got you because <laughs> I am too. I am too. Everything you said, I completely agree with. It's a whole new show. It's great. Again, I was having dinner with someone in Los Angeles last night uh, who I've known for a long time who watched the show up until... The episode, episode two of season six. Right. She had trouble with the Glenn bashing and her and her husband stopped watching it then. Uh, and, and I don't blame her for that, but I told her that season nine has been spectacular and that she should either power through seven and eight or maybe skip them and start with season nine, which is something I never recommend to anyone. But I know this person I, well. I think it's possible. I've had I had a very similar conversation with a coworker who stopped at that very same mm-hmm. episode right after the Glenn bashing. Yep. And uh, I think that it is a viable suggestion to just come back in. I mean, the show has jumped in time now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is explained fresh and explained new. There's not really any new characters. Uh, I mean, there are new characters introduced in season nine, but to start the yes. season, you no, pretty but much the, you know, know before, uh, you know, all the characters that we have now are pretty much, you know, with a few exceptions, uh, were around before All Out War. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think you could just jump right in it, and away you go. I agree. I, I do agree. It's, it's not something I like to recommend and it's not something I like to do myself. I, I do think you need to consider something as a whole, but if there was ever... A scenario where you could take a year or two off and come back into a show later having not seen part of it, I think it actually might work in this case. Yeah, you might be wondering why Negan is in jail. Uh, you might be wondering where Sasha is. But yeah. those are those are not difficult things to get by, really. It's like Sasha, oh, she must have died. Negan, well, he's in jail. So um, I guess he's in jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we met uh, we met the kingdom. We met uh, uh, the Garbage Pail people. Right. Uh, we met uh, a Seaside. Uh, Oceanside. We? Oceanside. Oceanside, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think we have everything. The only, uh, what would we miss? We, you know, where's Sheba? You know? Yeah. Where's the tiger? That's a good thing, or a good question. I don't think, had uh, Simon, had we met Simon? But, I mean, you're not going to miss Simon, really. I mean, I know no. you miss Simon, but. I miss, every, yeah, I miss Simon. But if you'd only. I miss Stephen Hogg. I never met the man, but I miss him. Sure, of course. You should follow him on Instagram. He is weird. But anyways. um, Follow him in real life. Go find out where he lives. Find that house he built by himself. You could do that. Um, What I'm trying to say is uh, if you'd only had like a brief introduction to Simon and you only knew him from like two seconds in one episode, the fact that he's now gone, you you wouldn't even notice. So I I think you're right. I uh, I think there's not a lot in the first episode of season nine, that doesn't make sense if you hadn't watched seven and eight. And that's just another, um, you know, another knock against those two years They're Not only were they sort of subpar, they were inconsequential, which is even, even worse, I think, to be honest. Yeah. That's a little worse. Just have <laughs> her, uh, have her jump in, uh, for, on this most recent season. And every once in a while, I'll send you an email with a, who's that guy or where's that guy? questions right exactly we did a little bit of that at dinner last night uh and i can answer those questions pretty easily oh that guy he uh he got 
turned into a zombie and stuck on the fence. Or, yeah, I still remember a couple of years ago, I went to, was at a Christmas dinner and a family member asked me what I knew about the Walking Dead show. <laughs> Have you heard of that Walking Dead show? Yeah. What do you know about it? Everything. Oh, everything there is to know about it. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> yeah, right. Where do you want to start? <laughs> okay, we got. We're going to start a master class. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that'd be great. Master class on The Walking Dead. Oh, oh my was... god. Uh, um, the effects guy. Um, come on, brain. I uh, just with the guy with the scarf. Yeah. Nick is he doing does oh. Nicotero's doing a master class? No. So, oh, okay. But he should. <laughs> I'm, he I'm trying should. to say he okay. should. You got me excited there. Yeah, sorry. I, I very much want to be a member of that site. Yeah. Very, very much. If it wasn't so bloody expensive, I'd totally do it. I mean, 250 a year. It's not crazy. It's not cheap either. No, like, to be how fair. How much do I really need to know about writing a novel? I mean, I'm, I really I really do need to know about writing a novel. I've, I actually have a novel in my head. I, but I want to talk, about, talk to you about that later. Okay. Uh, Masterclass is great. I wish Greg Nicotero would do one. I have watched some of them, but I want to watch more. Uh, anyways, he'd be perfect for it. Yeah. So I don't know how we get onto that, but let's, let's move on. Is it my turn now? Sure is buddy. And it's Steve from Indiana, right? Correct, man. All right. Steve in Indiana writes, when Rosita and Eugene are out setting up the transmitter amplifiers, is there any reason why they unhitched the horses from their wagon and didn't tie them to something, preventing them from running away? I mean, I know we have to set up the scene where they have to run for their lives, but this just seems like lazy riding. It might be lazy horse people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, untying the horses going, you know, we might be here for a couple of hours. It's, it's unfair to have the horses hitched to a wagon that whole time. And then they unhitch them from the wagon and then just go, ah, where are they going to go? And then don't bother tying them to anything. Well, that Maybe makes they sense. think, uh, you know, uh, Rick's horse wasn't tied to anything and mm-hmm. it just followed him around until it was time for him to leave. You know, I think it depends on the horse. We, we have had some people write in with horse experience and some of them have told me that it depends on the horse. Some horses will just hang around and are very loyal to their humans, whereas others aren't. And it's just like pets, I think, right? Like or, some or friends. Or, some some horses are probably just assholes. It's right. You know, son, horses are a lot like people. Some are really nice and friendly, and others are just jerks. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them like apples. That's what I hear. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> fine. I like apples, so I have something in common with horses. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess they could have kept them tied up and they wouldn't have run off. That being said, um, if they were going to be there for a number of hours, which you'd think it might take a couple of hours at least to climb up that thing and do the do the transmitter. So they let them off. Come to, on. To chew some grass. He climbed, a, he climbed a ladder and then he climbed up the, the, tide, the side of a water tower, which would have taken me like three hours. But if somebody was you know capable of climbing a little bit quicker and then he put a box on the floor and turned a knob sure. a little bit and then he started climbing down that's not going to take 3 hours it might eugene i mean i know he's a lot more capable than he used to be but it's still eugene so like you know it could take him a while maybe he's got bad knees like you yeah climbing up's no problem it's, it's down that's the issue i guess that's what he had well that was the problems problem. with specifically <laughs> it, it really was yeah yeah <laughs> But on the other hand, he just went up there with an electronic, a piece of electronic equipment and then just put it down. Didn't cover it with anything. It's going to get wet. Hmm, you're right. I wonder how it was running power as well. I didn't Batteries. see Didn't see It's like ex- the professor. Batteries made out of coconuts. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Friggin' Eugene the professor. All right. He is the professor. I mean, mm-hmm. we went through Gilligan's Island, right? Uh, yes, we have. Yeah. It's a cross between Gilligan's Island and Star Wars, this show. Anyway, uh, next we have Megan in Wisconsin. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode and the season as a whole. One thing that made me cringe more than anything else on the show was that kiss from Gabriel and Rosita. They have absolutely no chemistry, and Gabriel Gabriel is just weird to me. <laughs> yes, I agree. He's a little bit weird, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve some love. And although they're an unlikely couple... Six years can change a lot, and I'm yeah. just I'm just glad they've come together and they seem to get along. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of us have had girlfriends that just kind of somebody that you're hanging around with for a very long time, and then you just kind of like, eh, okay. <laughs> you're here. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. So you know what that means, right? <laughs> yeah. And you get together for a little while, and you're like, yeah, that was a mistake. 
and then you move on. Sure. Well, maybe that's what will happen here. And then Rosita will move on to Eugene like he wants. Yeah. Never underestimate the uh, relationships of convenience. Right. Familiarity. It can lead to a lot of things. Yeah. And I actually believe this about songs. Absolutely. I, I don't care if you hate a song or love a song. You listen to it enough, you love a song. If you love it to begin with, if you listen to it enough, will you eventually hate it? No. You only will ever love it. I can tell you definitively that there's a lot of songs that get radio play now that are from the 80s that I absolutely hated in the 80s. I like them now. Yeah. yeah. Does that what is, does that say more about you or the song, though? I don't know. Walk Like an Egyptian? Hated that song. Absolutely despised it when it first came out. I like it now. Now it's your favorite song. This one was not favorite, favorite, but yeah, play, do something enough, hang around with somebody enough. Uh, it'll start to feel like it's the right thing to do. I see. Well, no matter how creepy and weird you are. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's what's going on here. All right. Uh, James in Maynooth County, Kildare, Ireland. Is, do you think that that's what the CO means here? Maynooth. Uh, he wrote Maynooth company? CO. Maynooth Company? Maybe Maynooth, Maynooth College. Cooperative? Cooperative? College. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. James let us know. But uh, James writes, Eugene is an idiot. And now, quote, Rosita, can you please straighten up this ladder that I've knocked over so I can climb down from here safely? You're only 20 feet away and I can help you pack up and we can get the heck out of here. End quote. Actually, on second thought, and he drops 15 feet to the ground. <laughs> yeah. He's so the smartest dumbass around. That's what James is saying Eugene should have done, but he didn't. Yes. He just kicked over the ladder and then fell. Yeah. Hey, give me a hand. No? Okay. I'll climb back up and hang out there for a while. They'll probably just move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Instead, he, I mean, he panicked, right? It's hard to blame someone for doing something crazy when they're in panic mode because that's what panic does. It takes the rational thought out of your brain and you are panicking, but... Yeah, Still. it's actually a, a human condition in uh, the airline industry. I think I've mentioned this before. It's called get there itis, right? Where you start ignoring serious uh, risks just to get there, and so uh, you know he had a, he had a focus in his mind of what he wanted to do, and regardless of the dangers involved, he just went with it in order to get there, right? And that can be deadly, right? It 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 it, it you stop thinking rationally, you stop weighing all the facts and making proper decisions and yeah. you end up kicking down a ladder and then just jumping down. Cause yeah. what I don't care how bad this storm is. The, the important thing is I got to get this plane on the ground mm -hmm. when in fact the rational uh, thing to do is to climb again and go to a different fucking airport. But uh, no, get there. Right. is just like, as long as I just need to get this thing on the ground and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Except that that's the thing that kills you. Well, luckily it doesn't happen that often. And no, and I, it's a, it's since it is a recognized uh, issue, they train pilots now not to do that anymore. It's like, hey, there's this thing that happens. Don't do that. And they put two or three of them in the plane together so that you don't have one person making all the decisions. Right. right? Like, uh, yes, yes and no. I mean, uh, that can also be an issue where, uh, you know, you have such a senior pilot to a junior co-pilot that mm -hmm. they don't feel comfortable uh, second guessing them in certain circumstances. Yeah. Anyway, there's all kinds of, but uh, the social aspect of what happens in that cockpit is very much a concern to the airline industry. Absolutely. Uh, try and try and have everybody allowed to speak their mind and make rational decisions. Damn it. I mean, psychology is a massive factor in yeah. this kind of thing, which is really interesting actually. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, next we have Dan in North Plainfield, New Jersey. Holy crap, did you see how now now very physically capable Eugene made the classic post-apocalypse mistake? Why in the world would you risk jumping down that far? One big advantage humans have over zombies is the ability to run, jog, or even just walk at more than a fast shuffle. <laughs> Why throw that away by doing something that is almost guaranteed to injure your legs? It seems like characters regularly injure their legs in this world. I wish they'd realize that the most important thing to do is to keep those legs working. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But as as we said, he was panicking and he didn't have, he wasn't thinking straight. So down he, down he goes. Yep. But that is true. I mean, we seem to see, we do see a lot of leg injuries on the show. You know, Morgan on this show and on the other show just kept getting shot in the leg or hit in the leg or speared through the leg. 
and was constant. I think he was limping the entire season uh, three of Fear the Walking Dead that he was there. Yeah, me too. And uh, I have bad knees. I limp all the time. Yeah, that's fine. So you'd be screwed. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Protect your legs in the zombie apocalypse, everyone. Legs and feet. Oh, yeah. Feet are very important. Keep your feet dry and clean. Right. Exactly. You don't want to get trench rot. Ooh, God. You do not. All right. No. Here we have a call from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Holy crap. Did you hear me say, fuck yeah, Carol's back? <laughs> Actually, we did, Jennifer. We just did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Minneapolis isn't that far away from Toronto, so if you yell loud enough, it would just carry over the over the wind and, and come right to our door. Yeah, stuff, uh, sound carries over water, so we're right on the Great Lakes here. So, uh, yeah, absolutely could hear you. For sure. So, um just, uh, you know, watch your language next time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> We're Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next we have uh, Elizabeth in Newcastle, UK, who we couldn't hear if she did happen to yell. It's too far. No. It's just simply too far. It's simply too far. Even with the ocean in between there, it's just yeah. too far. Yeah. There's too many whales. That's the problem with the ocean is the whales absorb sound. Whales I don't are... know if you know that about whales. Well, and they're loud fuckers too. I mean, they make yeah, a lot of noise themselves. They... They're all kinds of, uh, they're all, they have, cause all kinds of sound issues on the ocean. I can sit here in my house in Toronto and hear the whales at the Gulf of the St. Lawrence just honking away the whole time. It's really quite yeah. annoying. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the smart thing that Elizabeth did was instead of yelling, she wrote an email and uh, her email goes, Carol is terrifying. For a moment, I thought she was just being practical when she gave up her ring. After all, material things don't matter as long as she and Henry escape with their lives but I should have known better. Ezekiel's advice to Henry was nice. Carol, on the other hand, would have probably been like, be, be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. It doesn't quite ring true to me that Henry is now calling Carol and Ezekiel mom and dad. He must have clear memories of his father at least. It's not like he was a baby or a toddler when his father died. And yeah, I, I see what Elizabeth's saying, but he probably just got used to the idea that this these are his adoptive parents, right? And so... That's yeah. what he's calling them. I've known people who were adopted who call their uh, parents mom and dad. I've also known people who were adopted that call them by their first names. So right. uh, it's it's whatever works for you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, whatever works. Exactly. Some people like it. Some people don't. Totally. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. That uh, sounds like sound advice. I think so. I mean... Be polite and professional first off, but just have that back pocket plan if you need it. Yeah. Just be prepared case. to bitch slap everybody you're within arm's reach of. <laughs> okay. If you have to. <laughs> right. Only if you have to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. Next up is Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. And Cindy writes, I wanted to ask Jason what he thought about the CGI fire that Carol set. I thought it was as w uh, worse than the deer. Uh, you have to. I did notice that it was CGI fire. But uh, fire's hard to do mm -hmm. CGI wise. It's been it's tricky. It because it's such a primal thing for humans to see uh, fire. It's like a, it's like uh, the uncanny valley for faces, right? We're very attuned to what a human face is supposed to look like, right? And it quickly uh, becomes, uh, you know, not real to us when there's something that's just a little bit off. I think fire is very similar to that. I think. I, I I have yet to see convincing CGI fire that I know of. I may have seen it and not re realized it, and, you know, good for whoever showed that to me. But this fire, I did recognize that it was CGI, but I think I may have let it slide mentally. Uh, and I think that I'm not sure why that is. Uh, maybe because the show was so good otherwise, maybe it was because I was so happy that Carol had, uh, done her double whammy of being awesome and getting rid of the, uh, saviors all at once. I was, uh, very excited about that. So I think, uh, due to the plot point, I think I let the CGI slide a little bit. Sure. What did you think about the fire, uh, when the bridge exploded for Rick? Well, that was practical effect. That was a real explosion, you think? I think so, At least unless they snuck it past me, but that looked like a real explosion to me. Huh. I mean, that kind of fireball, They what they do is they blow up diesel, right, or gasoline or something. They make a big fireball with little, uh, we talked about this briefly, but uh, lots of fire, lots of uh, flashiness, but no, um, what do you call that? 
blast something? I don't know, blast radius? <laughs> Not blast radius, but the impact of an explosion. Con- concussion, concussion blast. Concussion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so because they don't want to hurt equipment or people that are nearby, so there's nothing, uh, there's no concussive wave that comes out of it. It's mm-hmm. all just a big fireball. So I think that that was a practical effect. It's fairly straightforward to do. I don't know why they would do it in CG uh, with using a computer when they have the ability to do it with a practical effect so easily. Yeah, I guess uh, that makes sense. If if you if you blow up a little bit of gasoline or whatever, like it'll burn up, make a big fireball, and then it'll be done, gone really quickly, right? Like it's quick, yeah. one and done sort of thing. So yeah. I could see that. I'm, I'm not sure if it was practical, but I... I'm going to say likely partially, at least. There was a real explosion there. Maybe they augmented it a bit with oh, yeah. with special effects. Like when they copy and paste people in a crowd. Exactly. They can copy and yeah. paste flames in a fireball. Yeah, okay. Uh, or they can add some debris flying around or something like that. With the Carol fire, um, I I am terrible. I think I'm really bad at recognizing poor visual effects because sometimes even when people say, oh my God, that was terrible CGI, I don't really notice until they point it out or I'll think to myself, huh, that's weird. I thought it looked okay. So I, what I don't. What about uh, Grand Moff Tarkin? You didn't recognize, realize he was uh, uh, CG until the end, right? I did not know. Well, I mean, I, I knew he was CG because the guy's dead, but I did not think it was bad at all. And like universally, everybody else thought Grand Moff Tarkin in that movie looked god awful. He didn't look god-awful. We're in the Uncanny Valley. He looked good, but he was still not realistic good. Like, it to me, it was obviously it was CG and it bothered me, but it was good CG. It just wasn't perfect. Sure, but that's the Uncanny Valley. You, you almost can't get perfect, right? The closer it gets to being perfect, the more creepy we view it, right? Because there's yeah. something that's not right. I thought the Princess Leia at the end was more of more problematic for the CG, to be honest with you. Oh, at that point, I was so far gone as like, fuck it, you know, put Princess Leia in there. Who gives a shit? Who gives a crap? But I thought that was that caused me more trouble than than the Grand Moff Tarkin. But on The Walking Dead, like the fire. Yeah, I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that it wasn't real fire. It's just like, oh, my God, Carol is lighting them on fire and they're burning to death like I think maybe I was so distracted by the shocking nature of it, I didn't even think about the fact that the fire looked yeah. bad. Well, and it was obviously not a practical effect because you can't get that detail of a you know an actual human face burning with a practical effect. They have to put on this freely thick gel or a mask or something like that in order to you know be put set on fire. Yeah. So having a so obviously because of the situation, it was had to be a special effect. Right. And so at that point, because I knew it was a special effect and because of the situation in the plot, I think I just let it, you know, slide. Whereas with the deer it was completely unforgivable. Sure. All that to be said, Cindy, is that you are crazy. Nothing is worse than that deer. That deer was terrible. Oh yeah, in this show. In this yeah. show. I mean, I've seen things that are worse than that deer in other stuff, but in this show, that deer was the uh, was the low point of the CG. I agree. And they should be ashamed. They should. They should. They should go back and redo that deer and re-release it on home video. Well, no, I can't. I can't. I can't abide that either. No. I mean, it's done, right? It's done. Don't fuck with it. Let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, you're not George Lucas. Just let it go. Oh, right? that's a good it's point. Out there, it's it's gotten it's gotten past you. Uh, it's out there in the universe. You can't fix it now. Yeah, because if you try. You get shit on anyway. It's true. Yeah, I think, it, okay, you're right. I, I changed my mind. Don't touch it. Just leave it alone and pretend like it never happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it, it happened, and I have, to, I have to think that that deer was due to some kind of uh, mistake. They forgot about it and said, oh, crap, we need a deer. We got the whole thing shot that uh, we need to put a deer in there. Uh, everybody's left for the weekend. It's a long weekend, and we have to have this thing in the can by Tuesday. Uh, Who have we got? It's like, wow, we can get an intern in. Yeah. And we get that intern in, and it's like, okay, can you draw a deer? It's like, yeah, I could draw a deer. I just graduated from uh, deer drawing school. And they come by and uh, on a Saturday instead of... Uh, you know, going to smoke some weed. He uh, smoked some weed and drew a deer. Man, all of the implications you're making about interns right now <laughs> could be yeah. correct. Could could be incorrect. Well, no, not all interns. I'm just saying that intern. Okay, that one. That it's one. that that intern uh, was had nothing else to do 
and smoked weed anyway. Sure. Some of the some other interns are like awesome. Absolutely. Very very good and professional and should be paid uh unpaid internships I think are uh, a scourge. Yeah, those should not exist. Uh but anyways, you're terrible. Fire not so bad. Explosion good. Yeah, that intern pothead. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, next we have Sean on the internet. Sean writes, I have to agree with Jason. I like this, where this is going. Uh, about Eugene, just climbing back. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm going to start over. I have to agree with Jason. I just wanted to say that again. You've I'm already... going to start one more time, and I'm just going to keep going. Sure, but don't miss the word before your name this time that you did the first two times. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I'm so excited <laughs> that uh, things are just getting away from me. That's uh, All right, so I'm going to focus. All right. Sean on the internet writes, I have to agree with what Jason said about Eugene <laughs> climbing back. He almost did it again, man. <laughs> back into the water tower and hunkering down, but I want to take it even further. When I first watched this scene, I was yelling at Eugene and Rosita for that better because it seemed to me that the smartest thing to do would have been to stay in the tower and have Rosita climb up with him. That tower was pretty high, and I have to believe that if they stayed up there quietly, there is no way the walkers would have known that they were even there. Walkers are not that smart, and chances are they would have just passed by none the wiser about their location. If the Glen dumpster fire taught us anything, it's that they will eventually get bored and shamble off somewhere else anyways after a few hours. Yeah. So because I threw this this one together really fast, the feedback's a little out of order, but yeah, she could have climbed up there. I'm sure uh, he would have loved that idea. Well, this is what I'm thinking. If if uh, Eugene was thinking about this, we just had a whole conversation about proximity and convenience. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we've also seen whole movies and television shows and a lot of real life about uh, people being stuck in harrowing situations need a little bit of a tension release, if you know what I mean. And so being stuck up in a water tower with a majestic view over the landscape uh, where you have to be absolutely quiet and then uh, and stay together for warmth, I assume, that uh, this could have been good for Eugene. I think Eugene probably made a number of mistakes. And on uh, in hindsight, uh, you know, being stuck in a water tower is not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess this was his chance, and he screwed it up by jumping down. Dumbass. Dumbass. Uh, all right, well, I, I like how you started that email three times, and on the third time, emphasized the wrong word. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm just so excited. I know, that's exciting. That's you fun. know, it's like 11 o'clock at night, right? So it's like seven hours past my bedtime. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we're we're almost done here. We've got a few more. Paul in England writes, you discussed whether the good-looking savior, Alden, might be in charge of Hilltop, but do we even know if that guy is still alive? If you recall, the last we heard of him was that he had gone out after the rogue saviors, who had then taken his gun and attacked Carol at the camp. This led to all the gunfire that Rick and Daryl heard whilst they were stuck in Daryl's magic hole. Come to think of it, did we ever even get a resolution to that gun battle? I don't think we ever saw it again... And considering one of the show's main characters, Carol, was at the center of it, that's pretty surprising. Yeah, that I think was a continuity issue that they uh, they left out for some reason that I'm not quite sure of. You know what? I don't think it's I don't think that's really a continuity problem. It it's more of like that gun battle was there for another reason. Like it wasn't there to show us what happened in the gun battle. It was there to give Rick and Daryl the motivation they needed to work together to get out of the dynamite hole. Right. So now that it served its purpose, fuck it. We don't need to resolve that situation. Well, kind of move on. I mean, what happened? They shot at each other for a while. Probably some people were hurt. Some people were killed. And then eventually one side retreated. Uh, and the saviors ended up retreating away for six years. They tried to get the sanctuary up and running again. That didn't work. And then started pulling carts with zombies. So, Obviously, it would have been nice to have a little more resolution to that, but it was really about making sure that Rick and Daryl got out of that hole. The Alden question is one that I would like answered. Uh, it wasn't yeah. clear to me whether he was alive or dead after after he encountered the saviors out there. Um, So I do hope we find out he's alive because I think he's a fun character and he's hanging out at Hilltop. And uh, him and Enid now have a baby of their own. I assume so. Yeah, why not? 
uh, I was more bothered by the fact that we didn't get resolution on what happened to him than I was about the, the gunfight at the bridge camp corral. Yeah, because the gunfight, uh, you know, they, they moved past it. They told us what happened, right? And we're just like, did we see that? No. I don't know if we saw that. We probably saw that. So that's fine. Right. And if you didn't, you can kind of make it up in your brain. Uh, yeah. We'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we have a call from Scott in Arkansas. Here we go. Hi, Jason. Chris, this is Scott from Arkansas. I just finished listening to the recent podcast, and uh, I want to start off by saying, Jason, you don't like the who? What the? I know. Chris, you're my new favorite. Thank you. Anyway, we're going to try to get past this and move on. So, uh, this uh, recent episode was great again. Uh, this season has made me a believer again uh, of how good a job they've been doing. But what I wanted to talk about does not have to do with this uh, episode specifically. I wanted to wait till I saw episode six just to confirm. What I wanted to talk about is where is the sixth episode with Andrew Lincoln? If you remember, back when they announced that uh, Andrew Lincoln was leaving the show, they said that in this season he would have just six episodes. Uh, AMC's big promo at the beginning was only six episodes left with Rick Grimes. We've gotten five episodes, and now Andy's out. Andrew Lincoln is gone. So this is like waiting for the other shoe to drop, and that's my question to you guys. Is there a theory, or have we thought about this? Is there going to be a sixth episode with Andrew Lincoln before season nine is over? And if there is, is it going to be just in a, uh, a flashback sequence, a dream sequence, or a real crazy theory, just to throw this out there, what if they save him for the very last episode of the season? And I know this is very, very unlikely, but what if they do another time jump and he shows up, like, coming back on the helicopter um, at the end of the episode, last episode of the season, and they somehow make a tie-in with the first Rick Grimes movie? I don't think that's likely, but, eh, you know, it's a possibility. So... That's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, see what you guys think. Uh, your theory is, if they if they just drop the ball and said, "Hey, he's going to be in six episodes," but really it was just five, or is there going to be one more episode with Rick Grimes? And what are they going to do with it? How's that going to play out? So that's my question. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, great job with the podcast, guys. Y'all keep knocking it out of the park. Uh, so just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll keep listening. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. Thanks, Scott. So, Jason, five episodes, although it was touted as six before. Uh, what do you think? Just, just they didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't know, or they changed well, their they mind. Knew. I mean, they did. They would have known. Yeah, this this came out at Comic Con, right? So, everything was written by then. Everything was mostly done by then for the first half of the season. That's that magic number that you never told me. I didn't know that it was six. Did I never bring that up? It was reported back then that there were six episodes for Rick Grimes coming up, and that would be it. I'm not sure we mentioned it on the podcast, because I didn't know what that number was. I knew that it was not a full season, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what the number was. Okay. And you did. So, you know, I get my information from you, but if you didn't tell me, I didn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so the magic number is six, but we've only gotten five episodes. So I assume he's shown up. A little bit later, I, I, or in a flashback or something. Well, yeah, I would too, except that they've been very explicit about saying he's done. He is not coming back. He, In fact, they've said things like he is never coming back to the TV show. He's going to do his movies, but Rick Grimes will never, ever, ever, not in a million years, be back on the TV show. After this season. Well, maybe that's the part they haven't told us. Or <laughs> or they're just trying to hammer it home so that when it does happen, we're all surprised. Uh, I think it's insane for them to say that he will never, never, never come back on the show. Because if the show goes five more years and Andy's done three movies and a, I don't know, a couple other things by then, a web series and a video game and... And then The Walking Dead is finally wrapping up for its final ever episode. You don't think Andrew Lincoln's going to come back and be on that episode? I bet you he will. You know, things can change is all I'm trying to say. Absolutely, things can change. But also, it's isn't it a TV and movie trope where somebody, you know, is absolutely adamant about never doing something that they're doing it in the next shot? 
like uh, Rick maybe. Grimes even does it with "We never kill the living," yeah. and then shoots somebody in the face. Yeah, okay, that's a good point too. I don't think I, I right now. I think they they believe it when they say Rick Grimes is never going to be back on the TV show again. But I just think things can change. If they have one more last final appearance in this season for the character and they're just trying to hide that from us, then great. I look forward to that surprise. And I, I would, I would like that, you know, I want to see that. I want to be surprised. I enjoy being surprised, but I also think maybe, maybe they weren't finished editing things quite back in the summer. And they thought at the time they were going to do six, but then something changed and they decided to do it in five, you know, yep. maybe, maybe Rick's horse, ride from the rebar to the bridge spanned two episodes originally but they reworked it into one and so we got five instead of six who knows but as far as i know and as far as they're saying that's it he's done no more rick grimes on the show um but it'd be nice to be surprised if they change their mind yeah or i mean if they are fooling us somehow i don't know i don't i wouldn't put enough credit into their uh, into their brains to be fooling us on that long of a time scale. Wait, it's a- it's Angela Kang, Jason. She can do no wrong. <sighs> well, I don't know about that. She has not, not done wrong so far. Like, you're only as good as your last episode, right? I guess, but that makes her pretty good so far. Yeah, you know, but what have you done for me lately? <laughs> man. <laughs> tough man to <laughs> tough man to please you. <laughs> yep. All right. Finally here we have a skull a skull. Skull. A call from Scott. Hey, he, I did that earlier with that uh, that Durant guy. Yeah, that's right. Dan and Durant. <laughs> Dan and Danton Duran Duran, Ohio, right? That's that's right. Yeah. And I wish there was a Duran Duran, Ohio. I'd move there. I'd think about it. Totally. I'd look it up on a map for sure. <laughs> I would definitely do some street view. Absolutely. The same thing I did as soon as I heard about Dildo Newfoundland. Look that sucker up. On okay, there. we're going to have to pod, post a podcast now and look up <laughs> Dildo. It's it's a place. Uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to play a call from Scott in Cortis, or Cortis, Ontario. Let's go. Hey guys, I'm a big fan of the show, but I've never written in before. Uh, but I had a theory and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, so everyone's saying that their biggest issue with Rick leaving on the helicopter is that he would always want to come back and find his family. Uh, but we don't know in the six year time jump, if he did try to come back to see his family and maybe he did. Cause if you notice Michonne is a lot more jaded, uh, after the time jump, whereas before the time jump, she was essentially trying to make constitutions and now she won't even allow outsiders in. So I wonder if there's a possibility that during the movies he comes back and then either gets killed or something happens um, because they allowed outsiders in during the time jump. Anyway, I guess the only thing that was hard to explain about that was her going to the bridge uh, because if he hadn't if he'd come back, it seems like she wouldn't go there, but maybe they buried him there because they knew how much it meant to him. So wondering what your guys' thoughts are. Thanks. Uh, bye. Thanks, Scott. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, anything is possible. I'd be very surprised if some of our characters don't actually show up in the Rick Grimes movies. It's yeah. Because, and we talked about this already in a previous episode, it's going to be really, really difficult, at least from the way I see it, to explain the fact that Rick just gets flown away and never, ever returns. Um, there ha- there's going to be have to be some kind of pretty good reason that keeps him wherever he is. So maybe he does try to return. Maybe he's not successful. Maybe some of our characters somehow show up in the Rick Grimes movies. You know, my first thought was that the helicopter people are the same people as Georgie's people. So Georgie has already made contact with our group, obviously, as we know, and has had um, continued contact with Maggie at the Hilltop. And if they are the same people, then there's, and number one, they're not that far away. And number two, there's no reason that Rick wouldn't be able to communicate back with Hilltop, Alexandria and the kingdom and everybody. Uh, He just might. Maybe he does that, but doesn't show up on the main show. Maybe they refer to him like it's some sort of weird scenario like that. And in that case, 
anything is possible. And maybe he did come back and maybe he died in the interim and that's changed Michonne's personality a lot. Uh, so who really knows, man, but I do think it's going to be difficult to explain why Rick hasn't come back. If indeed there is no more communication between the two groups. All right. Well, that's how that explains how Michonne knows about Rick's injury and why she has a scar in the same place. It's uh it's a reminder or an homage to uh, her dead, I guess, husband now. Right. And so, yeah. So he comes back, she finds out about the injury and then dies and she gets scarred in remembrance. Something like that. I mean, anything is possible at this point. All they've done is shown us the episode where he leaves away in that helicopter and said to us, Rick Grimes is never going to be on The Walking Dead again. Instead, he's going to be in movies. That doesn't mean he has nothing to do with the show, right? Yep. Yep. It's who knows. There's so many possibilities out there. Um, And that's why I'm excited for these movies, because I don't want this, you know, I don't want Rick's story to be over. And it sounds like it's far from over at this point. We've got all kinds of good stuff coming. I think so. I wonder if they had not, if it was a smart idea to announce three movies and not just one, because you kind of know that, well, he's going to survive the first two (laughs) if there's a third one coming. Oh, they might just do, you know, trade them off. They've done that in movies before. It's like, oh, we need a sequel, but the, uh, the main character from the first one doesn't want to be in it. It's like, well, that's never, that's not going to stop us now. No, really. We can come up with something, you know? Yeah. The next one's all about, uh, Jadis. Or it's about Rick Grimes as a teenager, uh, in high school. And then it's Rick Grimes in police training and <laughs> all, a good pre- idea. all pre-apocalypse. Wouldn't that be a... See, now we can get a, a Rick and Shane buddy cop TV show prequel. Because they Fucking can do it. Do it. They, Write they can, it up. Get it done. They can do anything they want. Right. Friggin' Stephen Ogg could be like the main bad guy in the show. It's a great idea. I think it's good. Like, there's no reason we don't, uh, do we know that Rick didn't know Simon from before? Uh, you know. We don't I, know that. I, no, and that's the thing. We don't know anything. I'd be surprised. But, hey, maybe Simon was one of those guys that Rick talked about, you know, picking up on a Friday night who wouldn't stop flapping their mouth. That's right. Simon. It's like uh, like the uh, the Smallville thing. You, you know, Superman, just because his uh, one of his arch enemies is uh, Lex Luthor, doesn't mean they didn't know each other as kids. Right. I never watched uh, Me neither. Smallville. I don't know what I'm talking about. I think it might be an alternate universe, but who the hell knows? But what I'm saying is that just because they're arch enemies doesn't mean they didn't haven't known each other forever. For right? for a long time. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Got it. Okay. Uh, thank you, Scott and Scott, for calling and everyone else who, who called or wrote in this week. Uh, we got her done, Jason. We got her done. Just barely. Just barely. Next... Uh, Next episode of The Walking Dead is Season 9, Episode 7, and it is called Stradivarius. Oh, yeah. So if you'd like to do a title read, uh, record that on your phone or or something and send it in to us. I look forward to getting those. And it's a very special episode of The Walking Dead, Jason, because it's brought to you by Michael Cudlitz. Oh, yeah? He is directing next week's episode. Oh, good. So he's not just sponsoring it. He's actually directing it. No, he's not just paying for it or sponsoring it. He's directing it. All right, that's good. Yeah, so Michael Cudlitz is making his return to the show just behind the camera this t- this time instead of in front of it. So that should be exciting. It's called Stradivarius, as I said. Get those title reads in. And that's a guy, you know. He made violins and violas and stuff. Well, that's his name, and it became the sort of brand of the violin, right? Yeah. And they're, they don't even know how he did the uh, uh, the disdain on the on the violins. No. I don't think they have no idea. They're like, how'd, how'd you do that? How'd, how'd you do, how'd you make this violin? Because they can't make it like a strad, no. No? Well, yep. that's why they're so valuable, I guess. And they seem to, they also sound better as they're played. Like, the, and I think that might be true of all uh, our violins, is that as you play them, the use, the actual act of playing them mm-hmm. makes them, makes the sound richer. So that's why they don't have uh, Stradivarius is just sitting in a vault somewhere because they're ridiculously expensive. They actually loan them out to people because uh, it makes them sound better over time. Yeah, they age well. They do. Good. And they don't know how they did it. That's they're confused. He never really 
yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. He was a master and never wrote down what he was doing. That's the problem. It's very secretive. All right. Well, I don't know how that's going to factor into next week's episode, but we will watch on Sunday night and find out. And then we'll be podcasting again next week about that one on Tuesday. So title reads Stradivarius. Uh, otherwise, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or go to the website and click on send voicemail at the top to record a message and fire it off straight to us. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com. All right. Uh, that's all the ways to get in touch with us. We'll be back next week. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Good night.